Hi guys, and welcome back to On Guard Cigar Salon, where four kinky guys get together and we talk about the old days. I am joined with Graylin Thornton, Race Bannon, The Cigar Pig, and our producer who's behind the camera, Pup Amp, who keeps us on topic and on time. So I have a question, guys. Do I look scary? You look really sexy. Yeah. Cool. And you look great. Friend, so Do I look mean? No. I know you too well. No, you don't look mean. <laughs> but, but do I, I look toxic? If I didn't know you and you walked into a bar, I might have a different impression. Right. So do really? I look toxic? Not to I don't me, think toxic. Though. Oh, well, no. But I think some people might say so. And is it because of the way I'm dressed? Partly, yes. And let's just start in on what is toxic masculinity? Ooh. Ooh. Asking me. Yeah, I am. Um, Toxic masculinity is a set of cultural norms around masculinity that elevates the masculine as somehow preferenceable. Preference. Mm -hmm. it's a, anyway. It's a preference. It's a preference. It's a preference. And those cultural norms around that masculinity can lead to, in parts of our culture, things like sexual violence and domestic abuse and mm -hmm. things like that in... Um, not necessarily in our culture directly, but it can lead to homophobia <laughs> and other things that are not positive for society. Sure. And um, it creeps into every part of society. I think it is part of our culture, whether we like it or not. Right. So let's break down. So a big part of the leather culture has been built on gay leather men being masculine yep. or butch um, and portraying that masculine ideal. When do you think that becomes toxic to other people in our community? Hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. I only I, have good you questions. You only have good questions. You always have good questions. Um, I think sometimes it's toxic because of the behavior of the person that's being charged with being toxic. And sometimes it is perceived as toxic because the imagery or the demeanor of someone makes the person feel like that is somehow attacking them in some way. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it, 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 so some people truly are toxic. Mm -hmm. Right. And no, some people just appear it and therefore people perceive them as that even though they really don't act in a toxic way. Right. Yeah, that's a projection. And I think that people respond to that because of their experiences growing up and just living in a culture where masculinity or patriarchy is really inculcated into everything that happens. You know, laws, the reason why there's laws against when, you know, gay people being able to work or have housing is all based in, oh, but you aren't, quote, normal, which normal is God knows what. But I think the people who are responding to leather guys being, quote, toxic, it's because of what they've experienced and how they've learned. Sure. Do you, so what you're also saying is we have kind of gravitated to that masculine ideal to shun being ostracized for being gay? Is it, do you think that's part of it? No, I think, I think, at least speaking for me, I look at the men who I'm attracted to, mm. and um, from the outside, it might look like I'm only attracted to certain masculine men, mm -hmm. um, which isn't true. But, right. but people perceive that because I like to dress like the men that I'm attracted to. So, you know, the way I'm dressed right now, the way you're dressed right now, I think you look really good. 
Yeah. So I agree. What if someone is in a club or a bar where you're at not dressed in a masculine way? Do you feel that you have to give them the same attention? Absolutely. Okay. If they look good, they look good. I agree. There you go. See, and I always ask, tell me what straight guy dresses like this? None. <laughs> None. This is, like, like this is this? a gay thing. Well, it's a gay thing, the leather community. I do think bikers, you know, a lot of people will equate it to bikers. Biker wear it for a functional reason. Nobody wants road rash if their bike goes down. So that's why people wear leathers. But you know what? The fact that we want to express our masculinity, and if this is masculine to us, I don't think that's toxic. I often wonder, because Langlitz, who makes the mm -hmm. motorcycle jackets, we've kind of made it our uniform. What do you think Langlitz thinks about this? They're okay. selling jackets. <laughs> they're, they're selling, they're they're selling, selling jackets. They're the same yeah, as Wesco. But you know, you brought up something funny to me. You brought up straight men, you know, and you said that they dress like this. Have you ever seen, this is probably gonna be toxic. Have you ever seen straight leather men at an event? They are the worst dressers ever, <laughs> ever, <laughs> but ever. And it's not because they're dressed effeminately or anything. They just don't know how to put clothes on. Oh, right? wait, wait. Yes, producer, you had a question? Why should we be listening to any of you about toxic masculinity? You guys just kind of jump into it, but like, why should I listen to you? Like, as a viewer, I want to know. Well, I think because like, it's our show. No, 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 no. <laughs> what is your experience? Why? What, what do you what? have in your wheelhouse that, that speaks to that? Well, that's what I was going to. It's very interesting you say that because growing up, you know, it, gay people, and you can't generalize everything, but uh, many of us, at least of my age, our age, you know, you really were bullied. There was this very gender binary. It was, you know, men are the, um, you know, the hunter-gatherer. They are the, the breadwinner. And there is this whole kind of mold that we were told to live in that just wasn't our reality. So as time grew, I think our generation gravitated to this gay men who enjoyed it. And now I understand, and that's why before we started this episode, I asked, is it common that people think leather guys are toxic? And frankly, I think it is now. I think it's a newer thing as the leather community has broadened its umbrella and our socialization has changed. I think with the younger generation coming up, I think bars are more of a social outlet than a cruising outlet like it was for us. I agree. Back Wait, in the day. What the pics, did, did you just blame straight people for toxic masculinity? Is that it? Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, you blame the way that we're raised. As, I do. I, mean, I actually, well, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't just, I, yeah, I wouldn't just say straight people. I would say society in general. It's, it's a okay. patriarchal society. Sure. Listen, I think if you go to a lot of other countries, it's still alive and well. I mean, let's be real. It, we this are the minority. Well, if you if you look to how leather culture developed, we took, yeah. this is my belief, and right. some historians believe it, we took hyper-masculine imagery as a way to counter the effeminacy that we were being charged with because we were gay. Right. And so we kind of took that on, this is my belief, in a way to project a masculine image to fit in, to not be charged with effeminacy, etc., so that may be the original incarnation of why we adopted this. And then over time, we masturbate to imagery, we right. fantasize, it becomes imprinted. So 
it's not, that's not the reason as much anymore. It's because we've imprinted on this imagery, and so that's what's hot for us. And I want to just clarify, you keep saying this is my opinion. That's what this salon is right. all about. These are all opinions. Our We're not saying is. anyone is right or wrong. wrong. But we, with these topics... I don't topics, know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well, with these topics, we keep getting vilified for even just discussing it sometimes. And this is, I want everyone to know, this is a safe space. Nobody's getting canceled for their opinion. Um, and we're just talking about how we were raised and how we go from here. The difference well, in generations. You know, no, I want to, can I, can I throw something out there? Cause um, you asked about, is this our uniform? Mm. So, you know, back in the day, mm -hmm. when you walk into a bar, everyone looked the same. You know, they either had on leather pants, jeans, or some chaps, mm -hmm. right? a leather vest or not, a white t-shirt. Castro clone. Yeah. The yeah. Castro clone. You know, we, exactly. all looked, we all looked alike. Right. And in a way, it was an easy way to identify who should and shouldn't be in there. Mm. So when you walk into a bar and you're dressed like that, I'm just like this, we're all dressed the same to someone from the outside, but we're dressed that way because we can easily identify each other and we know who should it and shouldn't tribe. be there. Yes, yes it's, it's very that, tribal. The, but it, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, it also goes along with what you were saying, how we co-opted the word queer. You know, if you look back to when we grew up, nobody ever said positively or even neutrally queer or fag or faggot. And over time, we've co-opted that, just like we've co-opted this manner of dress from what traditionally would have been considered, you know, toxic or masculine bikers or other kind of communities. So you're saying we've imprinted masculinity in gay culture. I think, I think a little bit of it kind of goes back to what Reese was saying too, though, is like the, the queer people that were being ousted of the military ended up in the Selma district and they had right. their, their uniforms and they had, you know, the, the orderliness and the nature of like the military or the army. And yeah, that's a very good point. It you is. brought up at lunch why uh, games yeah. wore white, or no, in your podcast for Recon, yeah. you were saying why they wore white pants. You want to explain that? Well, um, Many people don't know that back in the day, I love that phrase. We need, yeah. a, we need a shirt. We need a shirt <laughs> back in the day. Um, uh, when the military were being discharged, at, let's say in San Francisco, many of them were Navy men mm -hmm. and they were used to wearing white pants. So you would go into a leather bar back in the day and very often you would see a lot of men in white jeans leather jackets, black boots, and that was kind of a uniform, at least one of the uniforms. The other thing was that the white pants made your bulge really good. <laughs> exactly. Not bad. What if it was after Memorial Day? Well, then, that's shoes. That's no white shoes. <laughs> but, but, but something that Graylin said earlier that I think is really important is that the way we dressed to some extent was our way of signaling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we did all of our cruising in person. Right. We didn't do it on the apps. We did. We were always in person. And therefore, I wanted to be able to visually see that we're at least playing in the same ballpark. Right. And so dressing a certain way allowed us to signal to each other, you are part of this sexuality that we're all sharing. Right. Well, I 
agree with you. I think what you were saying is that it's a conversation starter. If you go in a bar and you see somebody and they only have on a bar vest or somebody who's totally decked out in leather, you know, oh, those are probably my tribe. What people don't realize, I can remember when I first met gay people, I was like, oh, there's more than just me back in the 70s. And so, you know, it's it was just so different that I think it was an identifier, but I also think it then put us in a subset in our community. And I think that it really was and is positive. One last thing, though, I don't think it's bad if this is how we, quote, feel masculine, that we express it. And I don't think it's any different than someone expressing their femininity in drag. Okay, so I, here, here's where this kind of hit home for me. I was asked to speak in Salt Lake City on a panel that was a very diverse panel, uh, uh, a lot of femme pre presenting people on the panel, and every single one of them, I could tell my presence, they were like, hmm. And then after oh. the panel, after I talked, every single one of them came up to me and was like, oh, we were not expecting you to be like that. We thought you were gonna be, come in with blah, 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 blah. And, and at first I was offended by that because I was like, why would you judge me just the wow. way I look? Why would you judge a book by its cover? Um, you don't wanna be judged that way. But then I started to think, well, they must have all had experiences that were negative. Maybe I need to start thinking about how this persona is affecting them now. Do you think we need to be more cautious and careful about what we say and do? Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I see. I don't. I don't buy that everyone has had a negative experience. Yeah. I think people have heard about this, mm. and it's like there's a bandwagon. So it's like, okay, so now we don't like people who dress like this. Mm. And I think that that's where some of that comes from. Now, some people may have had a negative experience, but not everybody did. Mm. I also think some people have had negative experiences in groups. You go to a bar, yeah. there's a hundred leather men, mm -hmm. and there's that one asshole who sits back in his full gear and says, all oh, uh, these kids that aren't dressed the right, and, yeah. and those feminine guys shouldn't be here, right. or whatever. And so the people around judge all those Leathermen based on the one asshole. The one asshole, right. yeah. And I, so in a sense, I think they have a collective experience of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Even though those 99 other Leathermen aren't really that way. Aren't projecting except, that right. way. Right. So, I mean, that's well, and then also what, what happens if, say for instance you're in that group and they're they're not really being open and warm towards you they're not being mean towards you but they're after each other's dick and not really including you is that being toxic i don't know i go to another bar <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't i don't think so because like looking back uh -huh. when we were much younger yes and we would go into a bar and everyone was dressed like us. We knew pretty much everyone in the bar, but that was back in the day. So now the doors are open. Their tent is wide. And now the wide. door is open and yes, the tent is wide. We're now seeing people who don't look like us. Right. And, it, and I don't know that it's- In us. spaces that have traditionally been for us. Yes. And yes. that is causing some disruption. Okay, yes. so is that really a wide tent if these other people coming don't like how we look? And how wide? 
can't. <laughs> I think I think it, I think it's a catch-all. I think leather is now a catch-all. Yes. Anyone who feels they don't belong somewhere else is now suddenly a leather person. Is that bad? Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know if it's bad. Yeah, why is it bad? I, I think it's different. I know, but I want I want to hear what Greenland Yeah, okay, like, yes. No, I want to hear honestly like, why why that's bad. I don't because I don't think it's fair to them. You know, I think that people should be able to have whatever experiences they want and they should be able to dabble in. Right. But I think that when we say come on in, you're just like us, they may not be. You know, we I think that people should try different things until they find something that fits for them. But not just land in leather leatherland and think I found my people. I, I wouldn't mind going to Leatherland though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Leatherland sounds I think kind of fun. the way labels can be damaging is yeah. you try to put someone in a box and they feel like they have to fit into that box when they might actually be a circle. But what if you've labeled yourself for a box? Well that's different. That's different. What Greta yeah. was saying is like labeling everyone in, in a specific category right. kind of de desensitizes someone or maybe desaturates the actual community that exists right. there. Of course people that are interested, respectful, and want to get involved in a positive way are welcome. Mm -hmm. But those that might feel like they're being pushed into it, like I know I know plenty of, of friends who thought they were furries, but really they were puppies, or, or vice versa. And those are two very different communities that just seem similar sometimes. Right, but isn't it okay to, like you said, dabble in that safely and say, oh wow, this isn't for Absolutely. me, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. but then that person should be able to say, actually, I'm not really a kinkster, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, Amp just used the word kinkster. Mm -hmm. uh, Notice we've been saying leather. Leather. Uh, and I think that it's a very different thing to say leathermen, leather culture, leather people and then kinksters. and kinksters and fetishists and people that fall into some subset we are now like you said the door is open and we're all mixing and we're using leather culture norms and applying them to other kinksters and they shouldn't apply they should not leather folk that's fine so what about when our affinity spaces are getting wider and more open is there a difference between sexual spaces and social you know, I think affinity spaces that open the doors too wide are no longer affinity, affinity spaces. spaces. Right. So, um, you know, if if you know, there's a, a a group of lesbians who just want to be with lesbians and have that affinity space, and too many men come into their space, maybe it's no longer an affinity space for women. Yeah, and it isn't. And it right. Is it and okay to have men's only spaces? It's absolutely okay to have men's only spaces. It's okay to have any kind of space as long as it's done consciously and without the intention of dismissing anyone. Right. So a good example is, is gay men's play spaces. Very often, a lot of gay men feel most comfortable playing with other gay men. I don't think that's toxic. It isn't. I think that is what gets your dick hard or yeah. your hole twitching or whatever. But is that being labeled as toxic now? I think with Sometimes. some it probably is, yes. So to me, that's the expansion of the community, and I think it is gonna contract in a healthy way after people experience it, because I agree. You know, a sexual space for just men, or just even to subset it, leather gay men who wanna play, does not have any negative connotation to anybody outside of that. And I agree with you, as long as it isn't doing anything negative or in a really kind of mean or, um, I don't know, destructive way. Well, that's where it gets toxic. 
I think well, it's that, when then it would be happens, toxic, right? But right, when we talk toxic. about spaces and social versus sexual spaces, mm-hmm. again, there was a time when they were the same thing. When you went into a social space, a bar, an event, um, even the leather contest, someone was having sex in the bathroom someplace or in the stairwell. Or the bathroom. Yeah, but now, so- here in America, at least, that's pretty illegal now. Isn't that awful? <laughs> yeah, but, it is awful. But, it is. But it was actually illegal then, too. But we mm. were doing it. We were just having yeah. sex in whatever social space we wanted. So they were kind of the same spaces for us. And now that we've divided social spaces and sexual spaces, it's like, well, which is which? Can so, I have sex in this bar? Can I not? What you're saying is your affinity space for sex was destroyed, and now you don't really have that anymore, and therefore trying to make spaces that because and, and to, to that like I think we also need to define what an affinity space is it, yeah because I don't think I don't know that everyone knows what that means yeah. no I agree with you and I think that it, people get confused about that so, and and if there was more understanding I think there'd be less problem with it I think there's there's um, two things to consider there's inclusion and we absolutely need spaces and should have spaces that are truly inclusive then there are also spaces that we call affinity spaces where a, a certain demographic, a certain group of people decide we want to be with our own kind, right. whatever that is. And both can coexist in the world perfectly <clears throat> fine. The problem is I think sometimes the affinity spaces are labeled, especially gay men's, in my opinion, toxic because they want to be affinity spaces on their own. So they want to leave some people out. Absolutely, they do. I also want to sometimes leave people out who don't know how to do BDSM because I'm afraid they're going to do something wrong. Yeah, they're the dangerous. Party. They're dangerous. Or, they're, or I, I, I simply know that um, the, the men that I'm inviting to a party are entirely 100% attracted to men of a certain kind. Yeah. And that's okay. But if I then project that onto the culture and say all culture should be that way, that's fucked up it because is, right. we do need inclusive spaces and that includes bars and that includes parties and that includes social venues. So I think there's room for both. There, oh, so absolutely. A number of years ago, and I think I could say this, you had parties. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had some really great parties. And the rule was um, you could come to the party. You had to be invited. Yep. You had to be invited if you brought a friend you were responsible for that friend and you were responsible for yourself. You were not going to monitor. There were no DMs, none of that crap. So that was your party. Now, somebody from the outside who wasn't invited to that party may feel that you were excluding them. And they did. I actually was confronted a couple of times saying, we we, we told people not to talk about the party, but they did. And people would say, I want to get invited to your party. And it was a very specific, identified bunch. Not only were they BDSMers, but they had to be comfortable with a lot of sex mixed in with the BDSM. And not all BDSMers were comfortable with that. Right. Not, not all sexual people were comfortable with the BDSM. So not only was it a set of gay men, but they were gay men who were very comfortable with that. And we knew that. And that was our affinity space. 
And that was our, and they were great parties, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. <laughs> because we identified the group with which we wanted to associate for that particular slice in time. So Rice, when people had an issue with not coming to the party, obviously they felt that they had some reason to be included. What were they saying to you that they were upset about? Um, I, I think they just found out it was a really great party and they wanted to come and we were very specific about who we wanted to invite. And it wasn't that anyone was a bad person. We just didn't think they were a fit. Here's my analogy. It's like having a dinner party. Yeah. If I'm having 12 people at a table, it just takes the one person that isn't a fit with the group right. to make the conversation go off, to make it not feel right. Play parties can be the same way. Yeah, of and course. And it doesn't mean that that person's bad or anything's wrong with them. They just aren't a fit for that particular group. And so I think there's an assumption that, oh, there's a great party. You should just invite me. And I think there's a time and a place for invitation-only events. See, I do too, and I think in our community, because of the bullying and the whatever way people were treated, that they're quick to go to that because it's a frequent feeling for them. And, you know, it's where, you know, the whole concept of psychodrama, I think, leather guys, there is a piece of it that whether we like it or not, we're, ex we're expressing something, whether it's conscious or subconscious, it's comfortable. So when you put a comfortable space like that together, I do think it's wise that people not talk about it. Obviously, somebody did. But the intent is not to exclude. But I, like I said at the beginning, I think the onus is on the people who are feeling that way to do more self-exploration internally than externally. But people always think that they need to be included. And if there's not, if they're not, there's something wrong. And there's just... That's just not the case all the time. Maybe you just weren't invited. Right. I might love you, but you know, I got six chairs and I'm picking this six people and that's that. Yeah. Or maybe it's because they don't smell good. And how could we fix that? With today's sponsor, Leather Daddy Skin Company. <laughs> oh, I wondered where we wondered where you were going with that. Wow. It's a good segue, right? Wow. You're on top of that. Go, Daddy. <laughs> no, but we do want to thank Leather Daddy Skin Company for actually making our new set, our new equipment, and supporting us. With Leather Daddy Skin Company's plant-based skincare products like the Aloe Infused Hydrating Body Wash, you'll feel like you're wearing your sexiest leather all day long because the Leather Daddy Signature Oil Blend was essentially developed to increase blood flow and induce euphoria. Utilizing powerful scents found in nature, including tantalizing hints of leather, warm notes of vanilla, the seductive scent of scotch, and 18 erotic spices formulated to get the blood flowing, giving you the confidence you need to dominate your day. Leather Daddy Skin Company will be your own kinky little secret. Open mic. Or maybe not a secret. <laughs> if you use offer code UNGUARD, you'll get 10% off your order. So, all right, now you can invite them to your party, Graylin. Because <laughs> <laughs> they smell great. Because they, they smell great. <laughs> but was it a kinky party or a leather party? Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you when it comes to private parties like this. I think the biggest concern is when it comes to social spaces. Yeah. This is where we're getting called out the most. But, 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 but. Yes. Um, looking at social spaces, what if you were to rent a huge dungeon 
And that to you would be a private party because you can invite 200 of your closest friends. Do you have 200 close friends? That I would have sex with? Yes. <laughs> but he wouldn't want to have dinner with them all. But I'm talking more <laughs> bars, events, those kind of things. Well, I think public spaces like bars should be inclusive. And events are very different than a public space. I think, you know, and that's why I think people, they, they inappropriately think of like the country club that didn't let people of color in or, or didn't let Catholics or didn't let Jews in. And that should be a public space where if you're going to, like any business, if you're going to put something out to the public, anybody is able to avail it. But when it comes to an, a party or an event, this might be controversial. And remember, that's the whole thing about a salon is that we're talking about issues. I have to say, if I go into a gay bar and for some reason there's a lot of non-gay people or a lot of non you know, I don't know, like a bachelorette party. Just not my thing. I wouldn't go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just, I do just leave. It's yeah, just bachelorette not, parties really know, do turn me off in a gay bar. And it's because of, it brings a whole different yeah. energy, a feminine energy to, I hate to say it, like a masculine vibe that we wanted you know, as gay men. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespectful energy. And it is and it does. It disrespect that's energy. energy. That's, that's it. That's, that's a it. better way of putting it for me because it's, I have had some very feminine women in my leather spaces for years and they fit in just fine. Mm. But it's like you said, it's the disrespectful aspect. It is. That's the part of it. That but really you, know, you know women who fit in with the leather vibe. I do. So them in a bar, it's like, oh, we know them already. Yes. They hang around us. Do you think there's a difference between butch and masculine, like a butch femme? Uh, or someone who's respectful of the masculine vibe that's going on. I think people get to be whatever, butch, yeah. femme, whatever they want. It is about, I think Amp was correct when he used that word. It's the disrespectful aspect. It is, right. It's, it's encroaching on a space and saying, fuck you, I'm going to be in your space regardless of your vibe. Because right. As that, a, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say, because there are butch femmes that are literally making the clothes you guys are wearing right now yep. that are dressing you yep. that are right. working in Mr. S. Well, and these people are respectful. They're not the ones that come in when I'm go-go dancing and try to pull me off the bar by my jock straps. Yep. Right. About Ex how they're getting married, you know? Exactly. And it isn't just in this space. I will tell you something. I was, you know, I come from a very poor, you know, I don't know, working class or less neighborhood and community. And I'll tell you, when people used to quote slum it and come into our neighborhood bars, we identified them the second they walked in. It wasn't great. And they were there, I think, to look down on us. And I do think that kind of disrespect that AMP brings up is the difference between it being, you know, just a fun social space and going over and getting toxic. And, and I'm going to say again that I think the subset of people that are disrespectful is the vast minority. Minority, yeah. And unfortunately, it sometimes just takes one or two people in a space to be disrespectful to kind of fuck it all up. Right. And so I, I, I just really want to point out that no matter who walks into a space, I think most people walk into the space respectfully. Yeah. So these have been our take on it. Mm -hmm. So I turned to Twitter to ask other people out there, not necessarily our generation, what they thought about this. And they had some questions for us. Okay. So I'm going to read a couple. Great. I have to put my glasses on for this. <laughs> so Terrible Lotus. Uh, asks, toxic masculinity is like embedded privilege. 
A person may not be aware they have it because they grew right. up that way. An outside force telling someone they are wrong is not usually a good way to make someone change. So what are some ways people can self-test for toxic masculinity? Wow. I think first of all, they're correct. That yeah. is, yeah. it is a type of, 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 of privilege and um, a systemic way of being that many people simply do not understand that they are that. Mm. So I do think there are toxic masculinity folks that absolutely are toxic, do not understand it. It's so embedded within their psyche that they don't see it. And he's also, they're also correct that if you confront someone directly, as we know this just from research, when you confront some, someone directly and kind of yell at their face and say, you're being this, it is not the way to change someone's correct. mind. Yeah. Whether that's toxic masculinity or anything. Yeah. So, but how to do it? That's a good question. It is. He's good. You know, I could, I could, I'm going to be really honest here. Um, I was one of those men who did not appreciate them men in the leather bar. How long are we talking? How long ago? Yeah. yeah. Four years. Okay. Okay. Ooh. So I have a brother. I'm in Onyx. I have a brother who I adore and he presents film. Yeah. And now that I know him, and I know he's a kingster, I know he can play, and I know where it's coming from, I love him. And he's opened my mind to other people being in the bar. So for me, it's like, now that I've met someone like that who presents more film, I can, I can see where they're coming from. I can identify and see exactly who they are. They're not coming into the bar to make a point. They're coming in to be themselves. And I think when people come in to make a point, that's one thing. But when they're coming in that this is who they are and we get to know them, I think it's a great thing. So are you also saying that people of our gener generation need to be more open-minded and give someone a, a chance and not just judge them right away? I think it's a two-way street. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting and see that's not toxic because whether you know you had a preconceived idea but you were open about it and like you say you're willing to admit hey you know once I get to know him you know I kind of you know this was fine but <clears throat> I do think that my experience has been really different because in the early days I always saw the leather community kind of embedded with the drag community at least the leather bars I went to in the 70s and 80s I think drag and ultra femininity I don't know if that's the right way to say that was more accepted than somebody who was just kind of like in khakis and a polo shirt. I also think that we just, this is my perception, we just created a demarcation of where toxic starts. Mm. And that's when you, you are projecting your hypermasculine desires, psyche, whatever it might be, and not being open to change and to learn and right. to grow. That's the toxic part. Yeah, I can be that way, but if I'm open to having this discussion and learning and growing and maybe seeing a different perspective, to me, that's not toxic. It's the person who says, fuck you. Never change, get I'm out. I'm not gonna change, this is the way I am and you're wrong. That's toxic. Right, and Pause. I like the, their question because they're saying, how do I self-test? which I think is the pivotal thing in this is, how do I figure out why I'm thinking it's toxic? Now, if I'm treated the way you just said, somebody said, I'm not changing, fuck you, get out. I'm, that's toxic. But if somebody else, which I really appreciate is saying, how do I self-test? 
I, I think that's what I hope more people would do. But how do we self-test? That's a really good question. I don't question. know, you know? I don't know what the each answer other. is. We have, to, we have to kind of call each other out when we're being toxic. That's a good point, yeah. 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 We all have to do it. And I think that's what they're doing, but we're getting defensive about it. Yeah. Defensiveness is also a sign of lack of an open mind. Yeah. And so I think that much the way you're, you sort of opened your mind, but I've certainly done it over time, I think we all have, that is to me the, the skill set we need in order to not make our leather culture toxic. Yeah. Great, great. Thank you, Lotus, for that question. Also, if you want to pipe in with questions for us, join us on On Guard Salon on Twitter and Instagram and ask your questions there. Also, we've got now from Boot Black Cub. What positive elements of masculinity do you feel leathermen represent best? Ooh. I, sex. Sex? I think, I think definitely sex because that's why at least I'm a leather man. It's because I love leather sex. I love play. I love BDSM. But along those lines, I've changed to the point where now I see sexuality in other people. Like I've gotten into the pegging videos now. Pegging is hot. And so <laughs> they now have, you know, women who are strapping on and fucking their husbands and they are dominating these men and so suddenly i'm seeing masculine women fucking masculine men and to me again that is extremely hot and i think Graylin, i'm sorry to worry about you you're changing I right know. in front of me who am i who are you now <laughs> and see i think those expressions are extremely healthy because in that context, it's like the old concept of psychodrama. I think people have something they want to express or experience and they're doing it. And I think that is fantastic and, and the opposite of toxic. And, you know, the fact that you're seeing that, that's where I think we all hope to go to. Is that whatever we're doing, the way we dress, the way we have sex, the way we communicate, it's expressing something that is good for us and whoever we're doing it with. But I do think that something that Graylin just alluded to, the sex is often that point at which some people deem things toxic because they don't fit into the certain style of sexuality that somebody wants. Right. And therefore, if you're not including me, well, that's toxic. No, that's just the sex I like. So I right. think, but I do think it's perceived sometimes as being toxic because they're not being invited in. So, well, yeah, but you're not into the kind of sex I'm in. So, no, you don't come I here. think a lot of the <laughs> old guard men feel like they're being attacked for liking what they like and feeling like they're being forced to have to like something else. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a good point. And I think they get defensive and probably lash out a little bit. Right, that's and that is such a good point. And I have to say in the old days, back in the day, I did know some guy, leather guys who would who would say, you know, I've never been accepted anywhere and I'm finally accepted in this space and I don't like other people encroaching on it. And it goes to what you did. Once they start experiencing it, then it's less threatening and it's more comfortable mm -hmm. and you have to allow it, but you can't force it. It's like what you said, but you know, you can't, I, I just think you can't force it. Conversations are always a better means of changing minds than confrontation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always. I mean, it's, it's. That's why we have this conversation. That's why we have this <laughs> For everyone to see. But you know, in spaces, I draw the line at, at leather people, and I know kink and all that is included. Okay, so fine. But um, if they're a leather person 
and they're in a bar and they're dressed femininely. I don't mind that because again, they're leather people. It's when non-leather people come into the bar that I have a problem. See, and that's the tribal piece. Since Graylin mentioned bars, and this is probably something people disagree with, including maybe here, but I don't think bars are any longer sexual spaces. No, it's And therefore, I don't think that I can assume ever that I'm gonna walk into any bar and see just leather people. Right. See just kinky people. See just, I, I just don't, I just don't assume it anymore. I assume it's a social space and there may be a lot of people like me there, hopefully, <laughs> but I just don't assume it. I go to private spaces or designated spaces, like a play space or a dungeon or a party for that kind of experience. So I just don't make any assumptions about bars anymore. So, and I think that is what the old guard is bemoaning right now is the change. Our social spaces are changing. Population is growing, our acceptance is growing and we have to grow a little bit too. Yep. Yeah, we do. So this one from Sherman Mouse on Twitter asks, why do gay leather bars still mistreat female customers? Masculinity versus muscle. Why only representation of muscular men at bars like the Eagle that hosts and catered to bears and cubs and queers? Hmm. So my question with that is, have you seen that a lot? I haven't, but I maybe haven't. it's because it's not directed at me. I don't know that I've seen it a lot. The, the mere fact that someone asks the question means they probably- They've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's never been directed at me, but I also go to bars a lot and I think I would have seen it or witnessed or heard. You know, I, I've, the heard part hmm. is, is critical here because, you know, Onyx throws a party every fourth Saturday. That's, I mean, that is a plug. Um, the last Saturday of every month at the powerhouse. They're and hot. early no. on, we were hearing that women didn't feel welcome at our parties. Okay. And basically it was because someone was at a woman was at the powerhouse. Uh, something was said to her by someone who wasn't in our group. And so the rumor went out that women aren't allowed at our parties. Oh. And that just wasn't the case. So I think that it's, a two, again, a two-way street. If something happens like that, I think that, yes, we need to be made aware and not assume that yeah. it's the entire group. Yeah. I'd rather someone come to me and say, this happened to me just now. That way I can address it. Yes, Mr. Producer. What's Onyx for those younger yeah. producers that might not know what that is? Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Onyx is a club for men of color uh, into kink BDSM leather. And we exclude anyone who isn't a man of color. Okay. But you know, I, and I think that's great. I love the Onyx Club when I see them around. Um, I guess I've always seen leather women, obviously men far more in volume, but I've always seen leather women in leather spaces. So maybe it's the non, I don't know, maybe it's the same as if it were a non-leather man in the space wouldn't feel comfortable. I, I don't also, know. I also think, notice that he is talking about the, the sort of worship of, of highly muscular imagery and, and et cetera. So, I mean, and that is true. I, I mean, think there's a lot of gender bending now yeah. going on in our spaces. I think the generation coming up 
they're a lot more free flowing with playing with masculinity yep. and they are thinking we're too rigid because we're not doing that as well. But also there's Imzol, there are female run leather. Leather, yeah. yeah. And even then, our current IML is a trans man who's not hyper-masculine. Yeah. Hyper-muscular, but is a mass That's guy. True. And is a member of Onyx, by and the way. And <laughs> I, <laughs> the other thing is, we get on What's the Safe Word all the time, female or female presenting puppies asking if they can go to a puppy mosh or if they can go to CPAW or any of these puppy events. And the answer is always yes. Half of our demographic is women. Yes. That's, yeah. yeah. You know, do you, um, there's a, a boot black, a famous boot black uh, named Miss V. And yeah. she was, yeah. she always uh, boot blacks in the, in the male spaces. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, you know, I love being in male spaces because it's not my job to want to suck your dick. <laughs> my job Good for her. why I'm here is because I want to get your dick sucked. Oh, wow. interesting. And I love that. Yeah. I yeah. love that. You know, she's in the space and she knows her job and she wants my dick to be sucked and I can appreciate that. And you support that. <laughs> I support it. Okay, one more question from Parasabi. I want to say, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Paru at Sabi. Great. <laughs> All right, I'll go. I'm a historian, so these will be obnoxious or deep or both. <laughs> One, what were your experiences with no drag rolls in bar? I'm not sure what that is. And two, we've lost so many classic leather bars, yeah. but most of all, we've lost some cheesy mask bar names. Do you remember many of those? Oh, the Ramrod? <laughs> oh, no, no, what about uh, Phoenix had hot bods? Do you remember hot bods? <laughs> um, my place was one of my favorite bars. But I don't know if that's a cheesy name. My that's place. not a cheesy My name. My place? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you, are you saying your house? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be that, too. What about the so stud? So the, the, no, the no drag rules in bars? I haven't heard of that. Um, I have witnessed firsthand being in a leather bar and a very well-known drag queen who is very, very friendly to the leather community for years and years and years not being let in. And finally, the leather man in the bar said, you know, no, you are letting this person in. I think you experienced the same thing. I did experience the same thing. I think, you know, I draw a line again at leather. So if a drag queen is in leather, I'm, I'm good. Or, or at least leather sensitive, leather light. There needs to be- Fetish some, attire. Yes. I th high I boots, think that's, at least high boots. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> or a bar vest. You know, and race, race, you could, you could clarify this i think the rule was no open toed shoes oh yeah just like gay men weren't allowed in with tennis shoes right at one point or sandals or, or sandals so that, you know, and so they, they still should be not be able to <laughs> or uggs wait no flip-flops will be a thing just, Croc. Croc. Yeah. Croc. just wait <laughs> actually they make a croc combat boot now did you know that no if, if you have some i will never speak to you again <laughs> But I, but I don't think the rule was no drag queen. Yeah. I think the rule was no open-toed shoes, mm. uh, no dresses. But you know, it it was it was a skewed rule hmm. because they couldn't say no drag queens. 
So they had to find other ways. Yeah, especially in the community where a lot of drag queens host events. Yes. Especially yeah. in the community where we wouldn't have the community without the drag queens. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, or any rights. No rights. I remember in the 70s, I worked in a bar that had specific rules that if you really looked at them, were to do two things, to keep women out and black men out. Mm. Yeah. Well, at the time, yeah. black men wore a lot of hats. This was the 70s. And there was yep. a no certain kind of hat rule. I know it sounds bizarre, but. No, I, I and the open-toed shoes rule was to keep women out. Yeah. Not so much drag queens, but both, if yeah. you will. Um, and, and I think it was a way of them presenting, well, these are our dress codes, but it was really a way to prevent a certain group of people from coming in. Right. So I think we have to be honest about that. Yeah. And so I think there was kind of a no drag idea, no women idea, no femme idea. I think that was real. And if we don't admit that, we can't fix it if we can fix it and want to fix it. Right. And I think one of the important things about this salon is that we are talking generationally. We are. And in the 70s and 80s, people have to remember <clears throat> gay bars had to pay the cops off to exist. We weren't accepted anywhere, so we kind of became very insular out of protection. And I actually did know some leather guys who felt the leather protected them when they walked down the street in some odd way. Like, you know, nobody will bother me and this is my armor kind of thing. Um, so any of the stuff that we've said isn't meant to denigrate anybody or it's really more of just an open discussion point about our experiences. And I think it's really important to understand that cultures shift and change all the time. Right. And they go through these tumultuous times and social conversations where it gets really messy. Mm. And then at some point it gets better. Right. And more so with social media now. More social. It's faster with social media. Yes. Right. And so I think oh. we have to hopefully come to some sort of an understanding that we do that as a culture, leather culture, king culture, whatever, queer culture. And allow ourselves to be in that messy place where we have these discussions and we can all learn and and do better. You know, race, you you talk you talk about change and I think I think change is good and inevitable. However, I think my attitude can change or my viewpoints can change, but the way I want to dress and behave, that doesn't need to change. I agree. You know, Someone looking at me and assuming that because I'm in full leather, I'm toxic. That's not my issue. That's their issue. And I think that they need to look at why they believe I'm toxic and not expect me to, again, change the way I look and present myself. I agree with you. That's a good point. Yeah. And getting back to social media, when these debates are coming up, because of the next generation being so prevalent on social media, their voice is the one that is heard the most. You didn't have Twitter till like a month ago. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, there, was no, there was no one to pipe in on this conversation, uh, especially the ones that were being accused of it. So yeah. that's why I'm glad we can have these yeah. views now and can hash it out. Yeah. Okay. So our final question comes from Leather Paladin, and they say, when you see members of the leather community expressing toxic masculinity, what are good ways to ensure that behavior is addressed and corrected so visitors or new members in our community can see that this is not acceptable or normal behavior culturally? Hmm. Wow. Wow. Leather Paladin pulling it out. Last minute. You know, one of the... And I admit to a failing, personally. 
I have witnessed toxic masculinity. I think we all have. Oh, all the time. <laughs> and because I am somewhat conflict averse, mm. I have not said anything to that person. Right. When I maybe should have. Maybe yeah. I should have quietly, I don't believe in calling people out publicly very much. Mm. I'm much more of a call-in kind of person. So I would, I should have walked up to that person and said, you know, that that's kind of fucked up what you said to that person. Yeah. Or or the way you treated that person really isn't what we should represent as as leathermen or leather people. So I that's a failing on my part. I should say something. So maybe that's one of the things we should do is quietly call in not in, in confrontational way, but tell that person, maybe you could be a little bit different and it would be, I don't know, it's, I just think that it's one thing to see it, but to just back away and not say anything about it, maybe that's not a good approach. Yeah. Well, I don't know, what do you think? You know, I, I, I think we both know some toxic people, or we all might know some toxic people. Why do you look people. at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just, I label those people as assholes yeah, and I treat them as bad. such, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want you at my party. And if you say something fucked up to one of my friends, then I'm going to tell you about it, you know, because you're just an ass. And I've seen that a lot where people call each other out on it. But there is one aspect, you know, I, I have a lot of tattoos and now, you know, everybody's got tattoos, but I have to admit, I liked it when it kept some people away. And I think leather drag keeps some people away and that's a positive thing. So I think it's a two-way street um, in terms of, you know, what does it represent and what does it represent to the people viewing us? Um, and that isn't necessarily toxic. You know Let what I mean? Let me ask you a question. Sure. Because you yes. haven't said much. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever been in the bar, mm -hmm. um, let's just say the Eagle, Yes. on a Sunday, and have you ever lit your cig cigar next to some people hoping that they would walk away? Oh, <laughs> God. Toxic. Toxic. No. That's just passive aggressive. That's Actually, one of, my favorite, one of my favorite tricks is when the bar's crowded, I need to get to the other side. I just put it in my mouth and start smoking like a train. Oh, that is fun. You know, Graylin said a word that um, I, I was interviewed for a, an article in Slate.com about toxic mas masculinity once upon a time in, the, in leather culture. And I used the word asshole. I said, the bottom line is don't be a fucking asshole. Right, I love that. Just don't be an asshole. If, if somebody says this bothers me, at least listen to them. If somebody says this offends me, don't offend don't, them. You just try to not. And, and, and some, we, most people will come to a common ground. So I, I thank you for using that word yeah. because don't be an asshole because we do know assholes. And you're right. And they're the ones that are the most toxic. Can I bring up one thing? In our first episode, you talked about how you felt like you were just this blonde twink and yeah. wanting to work into the leather community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us, how did you feel? Because it sounds like you were looking around thinking, how do I fit in? Well, it helped I had a good ass. And he does have a I hot ass. And learned hot how, ass. I learned how to dress appropriately and become part of the community. I, I went to classes. I learned from mentors. See? Um, I didn't bemoan the fact 
I that I wasn't being included. I just found ways to educate yourself. Yeah, and become included. So and maybe there's something to people exerting a certain amount of effort to be part of the group. Right. Um, whether it's uh, attempting to dress a certain way, whether mm -hmm. it's attempting to be a certain way or whatever. I think people should, if they want to be part of a certain group of people, exert a modicum of effort to, to be, be part of that group. Yeah. And mm -hmm. not just say, no matter what, you just have to accept me. Right. right. So I, I think there's a middle ground that can be. I love that. The, the moral of the story, I think, don't be an asshole, be an ashhole. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's right. good. Very good. You know, and, and I think that people can go home. Yeah. You know, if if you're if you're in a leather bar and you're dressed in all your leather and someone walks in there and they're bothering you that much, then take your ass home. Exactly. You, know, you don't need to be in here. Just go and you'll be fine. Right. Go to another bar. You know, and, and if it's true. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that is. Well, the I don't know. So we want to tell people is get out if you're offended. But <laughs> no, you know, I know what you know, he's saying. But it goes, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> because if I'll be honest, if I go in a bar and it's a big bachelorette party, I don't have. I'm just like this is just isn't for me. I'm going right. somewhere you else. Go somewhere yeah. else, exactly. And you Turn know around. what? I have been in a leather bar and been in the presence of a fully decked out leather man that is an asshole <laughs> that I don't want to be around. Mm -hmm. So I think there's an assumption that we assume that we're, we're all monolithic and we all we're know. Not. We're not. We know who the assholes are in our group <laughs> and we want to stay away from them too. Yeah. And they're, they are usually the toxic ones. And they're the asshole. But you know what? This is like trying to boil the ocean because as we talk about this, <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's such a big topic. It is. Okay, I am going to call time on this because that was really good and we could keep talking about this forever, uh, but we don't have that kind of time, says our producer. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Graylin, Race, the Cigar Pig, and especially Amp, who has to edit this. Uh, <laughs> if you have any more comments or thoughts on this topic, please leave them in the comments below. If you want to be notified of our next episode, ring that bell. And we always love for hearing from you. Uh, please follow us on social media, On Guard Salon, at Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Graylin, Race, and the Scar Pig. Any final thoughts before we go? Keep it short. Don't be toxic. Don't be toxic. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> be an asshole. <laughs> be an asshole. <laughs> and with that, we'll say goodbye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.